still drinking that Gatorade? <laughs> no, it's Powerade. Not you. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everybody, to episode 33 of the Three Not Podcast as Ben disappears for a split second. Um, ben Pope, Mike Cicchetti, I'm Brett Shobbs. We got another jam-packed episode to go through today, considering last week was the NFL draft. Lots of stuff went down in the first round and more. Um, before we get into that coverage, let's hit on a couple topics. Before we hit to the main and big stuff, um, we're going to begin things in the desert over in Arizona. Something that we never thought would happen or could happen happened. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, was suspended for six games for the use of PEDs. Um, he then came out with a statement uh, and said that he did not knowingly take them. Um, he's very conscientious of what he puts in his body um, at all times in terms of medications and prescriptions. Um, but they found traces of a PED within his system during his tests. And so the NFL has since suspended him uh, for six games. Um, so we'll start with you two here um, as a whole. Where do we think about this suspension and what implications could this have on the Cardinals start to the season? Yeah, this is going to have great implications, obviously, on the season, knowing the caliber of player that DeAndre Hopkins is. For Kyler Murray, um, I'm not super, super worried about the Cardinals offense because they ran most of a good majority of last season without him. They had Christian Kirk. Now they traded for Hollywood Brown from Baltimore, which we'll get into a little later. And reports came out that they traded for Hollywood knowing that D Hop would be suspended. So definitely a definitely a tough one. Gonna be a um little little sad not seeing D Hop out there to begin the season, but he'll be back after six weeks. Um see if he can get back mm -hmm. onto the top of wide receivers like we know he can. The way you said that, Brett, you introduced it. Something that we never thought we would see happen. I thought it was going to be like Brett saying something negative about uh, Big Ben. But still, I don't think we ever saw D-Hop. Once again, Big Ben has entered the podcast for like the 33rd straight episode. Well, I had to include it somewhere. Rather get it out <laughs> of the way early. Um, I think Mike just nailed the point entirely. The fact that DeAndre Hopkins barely played at all for the Cardinals last season, I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact. We uh, already mentioned it briefly, but Hollywood Brown has been traded to the Arizona Cardinals as well. So if anything, the offense is going to be in better shape regardless, because I think Hollywood Brown is at least a small upgrade, if not, in my opinion, a bigger upgrade over Christian Kirk. And what they already had in that offense, they're going to have second-year wide receiver Rondell Moore as well, along with James Conner returning, uh, Zach Ertz returning. And they also drafted a tight end in the draft. So they're going to have a bunch of pieces returning on that offense. Cliff Kingsbury is still going to be in command with Kyler Murray at the helm. So I have no concerns. It's honestly going to be a big uh, bring back that DeAndre Hopkins is going to return week seven, hopefully, uh, barring any injuries. It's still a rough scene to see. Uh, it seems like D-Hop. Uh, is trying to research it on his own, but he already admitted that uh, he's going to take the six games. He's not going to uh, try to dispute it or anything. So it will be 100% confirmed that he will be out until week seven. So it'll just be interesting to see how the Cardinals offense is able to develop without him over those first six weeks. 
and how they can transition after he re returns. Yeah, that's 100% a good point. And Mike brought up the point, too, um, that we shouldn't be too, too concerned uh, about Kyler Murray in the first six weeks, knowing that they made a trade uh, during draft night. Uh, wide receiver Marquise Hollywood-Brown um, was traded to Arizona, knowing, like Mike said, that Hopkins would be suspended. Hollywood-Brown, very known for being fast, agile, known to stretch the field, um, seeing his capabilities um, with Baltimore and what he was able to accomplish. Do we see him potentially making the same sort of production or maybe even a little bit of a higher quality um, with Kyla Murray here? I think he'll have definitely higher production. You already saw that reports came out that he was not interested in playing for Baltimore these past couple of years. He uh, had talked to Lamar and some of the front office that he wanted to be traded, I believe a couple off seasons ago and reiterated that point after this season ended this year. So I think that's just going to provide further motivation for uh, Marquise to really put his full effort in. I don't know if he's been doing that over the past couple of years, which things to see because he's a very talented player that's had some real promise since he was drafted in the first round by Baltimore. Uh, he's going to be dependent on in a heavier pass offense than the Baltimore was despite them losing a couple of their running backs. Even though that James Conner does run a lot, uh, he's the only healthy running back uh, unless you're counting like Eno Benjamin, who's still a young uh, running back who's trying to develop into that Chase Edmonds role. But they're very much a pass first uh, offense. It's going to be very reliant on Kyler Murray and what he's able to do with the football. And it probably seems to see that at least in the first six games, Hollywood Brown will be the number one target for Kyler. Honestly, I think it will probably continue uh, just because he has built that rapport. And DeAndre Hopkins did so show some signs of, uh, regression in the time that he did play last season and he's dealing with some injuries carrying over from 2021 so I think this is a big addition for Arizona I think it makes their offense a little bit more versatile since they really weren't able to depend on a number one wide receiver last year unless you really like Christian Kirk like the Jaguars do but I personally don't think he's that type of player I think Marquise is very close to if not already that player I agree I didn't like the trade for Arizona on draft night. Just knowing team value, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Knowing that Diop would be suspended makes a lot of sense. He's back with his college teammate from Oklahoma. We love those narratives around here. But it's looking back on the trade on draft night. I wasn't a huge fan of it for Arizona side trading the twenty third or twenty fourth pick for Hollywood Brown. I like Hollywood as a player. I just don't think he's hit that level. And maybe it is because he's limited in the Baltimore offense, which is probably a strong, uh, strong case. So I'd like to see him definitely in a new situation. Uh, I really think he's going to uh, thrive in Arizona with Kyler Murray. So I'm excited to see that. Plus once D-Hop finally comes back after six weeks, I think there'll be a nice little duo. Then Rondell Moore um, will be a nice touch as well offensively. Yeah, well said by both. Um, we're definitely going to see a lot more of Hollywood Brown in the near future. Um, and that will transition to our last point before we jump into the draft. Um, and that's over in Tennessee. Um, some big words coming out of quarterback Ryan Tannehill um, came out and said um, it is not his job uh, to mentor newly drafted quarterback from Liberty, Malik Willis. Um, he had a presser. Um, just after the NFL draft, and he was asked a couple questions regarding 
uh, the new situation in the quarterback room. And he simply just said, it's not his job. Uh, both of them have similar um, mindsets, get in, learn the playbook, do your job and leave. Um, and he said, you know, if you ask questions, I'm more than happy to answer, but it's essentially not my job to be his mentor. Um, Kurt Warner then came out right after similarly um, and tweeted that, you know, if he ever needs a mentor, reach out to him, Kurt Warner, because um, he's more than happy to, to be that role model for these young quarterbacks. Um, I just want to wage both of your opinions. What does this say um, through Ryan Tannehill's comments? Um, and what's sort of the perception here um, of the Titans in this new quarterback room? Tells me a couple things. Um, one, just knowing the situation a little bit better than the general eye. I know that Ryan was really upset after the loss of the Bengals in the first round. They were the number one seed. He took that a lot to heart. Uh, he did have a rough game, three interceptions, including the game-losing pick to end the game. Mm. Uh, he went through some therapy after that. He really took it to heart and wants to uh, improve the most. He's a competitor, and I understand that um, it's not the greatest thing to kind of – he wasn't essentially shutting down, but he wasn't uh, completely open with open arms to the addition of Malik Willis. And I think if anyone is in that situation, they would at least have some of those feelings. I don't think it would be 100% reciprocated that he opens them with open arms, willing to do whatever. He is competing against Malik Willis for a job that pays him to uh, help his family out and do all that types of stuff. A couple years ago, Ryan Tannehill got a big contract from the Tennessee Titans to be their starting quarterback. I think he intends on completing that contract, still as the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, willing to compete and try and get them to a Super Bowl. Now, with the news that we're probably going to get to right after this, hopefully, uh, with a move uh, regarding their wide receiver core. Ryan doesn't seem like he's willing to give up just after one rough season. He was essentially the star player for uh, the Titans alongside Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown the past two years. He really did a lot for them as their quarterback. And I think he's, when he's right, he's very much up there in that top 12 quarterback conversation. Um, I'm obviously a little bit uh, biased here, but I do think that Ryan had a very good mindset about it. I don't completely agree. I would try and at least encourage the rookie a little bit, but it's a business. And I think Ryan made a business decision and he probably made the right choice. Uh, he's trying to fight for his job here. So uh, that's pretty much what he told the media, being truthful, being honest. That's all you can ask for. I think it kind of, I think if he could take it back, he would, because I don't think that's how he intended it to sound. Yeah. And I, I also think that the media, being the media, construed in a way that was like very negative. For sure. They did. But to me, what I take away from it is it kind of shows insecurity to me. I think he knows that he knows the upside of Malik Willis, right? We all do. He knows that he didn't have a great season last year. And personally, I think he has a feeling that he could be on a short leash. Um, 
this year. I wouldn't be shocked if it would be Tannehill's last year as a starter. Um, just knowing if obviously everything depends on how Malik uh, Willis does in camp and does in um, practice and whatnot. But I think he knows that he is kind of towards the end of his time when it comes to uh, Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans and moving on to Malik Willis. I think it, um, and we'll talk about the, are we going to talk about the Malik Willis later? Or should we talk about it now? We're going to do it later. All right. KBC. Uh, you're, you're muted. So we can't hear you. Uh, I totally forgot. I'm muted. That is so awkward. Um, we're going to be talking about it a little bit. Okay. All right. So with that, um, after the awkward transition, um, I think it's time for the NFL draft recap. Um, Timeout. Timeout. Are you trying to prolong my pain or is this some kind of sick joke for you? Or are you just forgetting? Well, as a um, resident Broncos uh, fan and then your Chargers fan on the bottom screen, um, I think we're really excited to get into this recap. I don't know about you, Mike. Mike, do you know what I'm talking about? I absolutely I, do. Uh, we know what you're talking about. I'm just kind of playing with you. Is it in there? Okay. So why are we... Why don't... Okay. Never mind. Ben's going to have to wait for it. Make it's not part of the draft. Like, it happened during the draft, but... It ties in. Kind of. All right. Maybe talk whatever. about it now. Whatever. No, no, no. How about... How about... We'll just start with it now, considering it's... uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big thing. Um, if you're talking about the wide receiver core, um, yeah, Tannehill might be a little bit upset about this. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles made a trade to make a splash in the first round. Of the draft. Jordan Davis's name first. That was their first selection. The second pick was traded to Tennessee for AJ Brown. Ben, just talk about AJ Brown, bro. Yeah. Just go on your rant about AJ Brown. This is, this is your thing. You came down to my room afterwards in our residence hall and was wearing your AJ Brown jersey all sad. Um, <laughs> he called so me up. Let, let's give you your spot here um, and say your I, say your piece about AJ. Before he talks, I want to give my um, my experience on draft night. I'm sitting there watching the draft, so I take Rappaport, Schefter, uh, Field Yates. I take them all off post notifications. I take everyone off post notifications and I turn my phone upside down. So I don't see any uh, notifications pop up. I hear my phone vibrating. So I said, okay, uh, Ben Pope is calling me. So I answer, I go, hello. And in a, um, I don't even know what you would call it in somber voice. It, it was a bit like unnerving. I saw well. the breaking news. Why would I be somber? I'd be frantic. It was a bit, it, it was frantic, but it was a bit, yeah, it was, it was wild. And I was like, what happened? He goes, did you see? And I go, what? And I look and I see AJ oh, Brown. I said, I said right away what it was. I said, oh, wow. And then Ben was Ben was a little upset. So now Ben can, um, can give his thoughts on it. After a week, he got some time to sleep on it, you know, think about how it'll affect both sides. So go ahead, Ben. 
taking like a Stephen A. Smith start here. My God. Um, this is a disgrace. This is disgusting, and I'm not happy. <laughs> wow, what an intro. That is um, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Um, I absolutely hated this. Um, I'm no longer a Tennessee Titans fan. They're done. They're done. They're over with. Um, they were my official second team, but I said it many, many multiple times. They trade in any of the big three. I don't know if Dan is part of the big three anymore, but if they trade one of Henry or Brown. Or Jeffrey Simmons. Eh, maybe Bayard. Um, dude was an all pro. What are you saying? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, this is just bad. Uh, reports came out after that uh, Tennessee only offered him uh, like, three for 60 or like a reduced deal for four years. Whereas he got an extension right after with the Eagles for four years, hundred million, which puts him right in range of like Stefan Diggs, uh, Devonte Adams, Tyree kill. Like there's a bunch of guys being paid within that 30 million to $23 million range per year. AJ's right in the middle at 25. So I think it's well worth it for a guy who's a 24 year old wide receiver who is, uh, probably in the midst of, if not beginning his prime, uh, he's dealt with some uh, injuries the past couple of years. But when this guy is on the field, he is one of the biggest playmakers in all of the NFL. Uh, I really loved it when I saw Jason Kelsey. Uh, he did a reaction with um, Adam Lefko. I don't remember what uh, network they were doing it for, but they were doing live reactions for the draft. I know Lefko is part of a. Uh... Uh, Bleacher Report, I think. I was yeah, probably it was, probably, it was probably there because he wasn't doing TNT stuff. Um, and Jason was like, yeah, this is uh, crazy that uh, this is happening while I'm live. And then he got a message from Travis Kelsey. He was like, dude, you just got one of, one of if not the best playmakers in the NFL um, on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, uh, this is – this is tough for me. I, this is a phenomenal trade for the Eagles. They are instantly upgrading their wide receiver core, even if it doesn't honestly work out with Jalen Hurts, which this is probably the make or break year for Jalen. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a solid year last year, but um, aside from a few like really standout games against weak defenses, I know he had a really good game in week one. Um, this is pretty much his year. A very similar situation to Zach Wilson, very similar situation to Tua. They're all upgrading their weapons around them, and Philly's doing the same thing. A.J. Brown is coming into the mix. He's joining Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, uh, Miles Sanders, and um, that entire crew in, on the offense. And it's not bad. It, with A.J. Brown at the center, and if A.J. and Miles Sanders are able to stay healthy, those two have dealt with injuries before, this is honestly a good offense. Uh, the amount of weight that a number one receiver can really add to a team and how much value it gives to a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. It should be phenomenal. I don't think his usage will be any different from what it is in Tennessee, maybe a little bit upgraded since they both run the ball very heavily. I know that um, Jalen's probably going to run the ball a little bit less. There have been comments coming out about that, uh, both him and Josh Allen, that they're, they're trying to run the ball less. Um, Tennessee, they – turned around and took a pick uh, with Traylon Burks to upgrade a wide receiver. And a lot of comps were A.J. Brown for him. This deal for Tennessee is very weird. It's like they're trading a player, a known commodity in A.J., 
and pretty much just turning around for someone that might be like AJ. Right. But you'd never know. So it's just not willing to pay the money or trying to take a chance really depending on Traylon Burks. It's just a weird situation and I'm not, I'm not a big fan, obviously. And guess I'm uh, Gian, if you're listening, I guess I'm joining fly Eagles fly. So <laughs> I was really excited for that. Yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of this trade either. They didn't want to pay him. That's essentially what it came down to. Right. Uh, he got, 25 mil a year from Philly, and that's what he said he wanted. But I don't think Tennessee was going above 20 mil a year. No, I, I, I don't like it. He's 24 years old. He's young enough. He deserves to get paid. Um, and even the the cap just keeps going up and up. So once it keeps going further, it's not going to look like a terrible deal. You know the caliber of player that AJ Brown is, and I would say he deserves that money when he is on the field. But yeah, you drafted Traylon Burks, who has the ceiling of an AJ Brown when you had him right on the team. You have a playoff caliber team. I I'm a big fan of Tennessee's defense. Um, I think they're an underrated core, but I think that this definitely knocks them down a few pegs by trading your receiver of the future. For Philly side, I love it. I wanted Philly to target a wide receiver for Jalen Hurts because I do think this is his make-or-break year. They traded for a first, an extra first, I believe, in next year's draft just to see if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out. They have some security to draft a guy early next year. But I definitely do like this for uh, Philly, him, and Devontae Smith. I think it will be a beautiful duo there for Jalen Hurts to improve. So I don't know. For me, I also didn't like the trade at first. Um, when you just look at it as a whole, um, Tennessee doesn't really have much to work with um, outside of A.J. Brown um, when you looked at it originally. You have Robert Woods, um, and that's pretty much it, to be honest with you. Um, so now you're working with Robert Woods, and we'll mention it now, Traylon Burks, um, the new uh, addition to the wide receiver core for Tennessee. Um, so if you're asking me right now, considering all the uncertainties, yeah, it's an obvious downgrade, um, at the wide receiver position, but they're just going to have to invest all their time and energy into Traylon Burks and make sure, uh, the Oregon receiver is going to be Oregon, Arkansas receiver, um, is going to be just as good, um, as AJ Brown. Um, we'll see where it goes. Um, but as of right now, I got Philly winning this trade. Um, definitely a massive upgrade for Philly. Um, for sure. And as you see on the graphic, their other first round pick uh, was Jordan Davis, the interior defensive lineman out of Georgia. Um, Mike and I were at the scouting combine back in April, um, and this kid absolutely tore it up. Um, obviously, uh, you have to take the combine with a grain of salt, um, but the way this kid ran and did his drills, um, it was something special. Um, and if you look at the tape um, and his ability to get to the quarterback, um, the Eagles are seriously getting a major need here. Um, on the um, front lines for the defense. Um, and I like this pick a lot. He was one of my potential destinations for Jordan Davis. Um, and he ends up here um, with Philly. Yeah, I love this draft pick here. They traded up, and I think they were expecting a receiver to be around, to be available. This was obviously before the they traded for A.J. Brown. But I think they expected a receiver to be here avail- available for them. Um, and Jordan Davis was there. I think it's a beautiful spot for 
uh, Jordan Davis to go, you get to learn behind Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, who are both well into their 30s. So they'll be uh, coming to the end of careers, at least in terms of with Philadelphia. Um, So you let Jordan Davis step in, and I think this is – I think it was a great draft pick. We'll talk about when we talk about our winners and losers later. Um, Philly's name will most likely come up. So, oh, absolutely. Um, so transitioning now away from Philadelphia, um, let's talk right at the beginning of the draft. More specifically, the number one selection. Um, everybody thought going into the draft about a week prior uh, that this pick was destined to be Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Um, But just as about the draft, just about when the draft was going to open, um, there were whispers on Twitter and around the league that this pick was going to be Trayvon Walker. um, And it ended up being that case. Uh, Trayvon Walker was taken number one overall by the Jaguars from Georgia. Um, The upsides to Trayvon Walker, uh, obviously a hybrid pass rusher that's been uh, able to in the past uh, to be put into coverage and sort of work that two-way style very similar uh, to Micah Parsons as described um, if he ends up panning out and staying healthy. Uh, but the Jaguars get their guy again with the back-to-back number one overall year. Um, and this is definitely an interesting pick. There have been variations of grades for this selection. Uh, let's wage your guys' opinions. What are our thoughts here on Trayvon Walker going number one overall? <clears throat> Weird. I mean, I expected it few days before the draft. I was I was I would honestly be shocked if Aiden Hutchinson was the first overall pick to Jacksonville, just because of all the rumblings online and on social media within the league sources that this would be Trayvon Walker. You get could be a smoke screen, which is a smoke screen, which is true, but it, it was just a lot. So I expected it to be Trayvon Walker. It ended up being him. Super, super high potential guy. Do I think he would I have picked him number one? No. Um, I like Aiden Hutchinson a lot more, but 6'5, 272. He does everything well. He just needs to develop, really. And I think if he turns out, they'll look like geniuses. But if he doesn't, you know, this will be a uh, this will be a tough one, uh, knowing that you have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who can step in uh, day one and be a um, not a top tier, I wouldn't say day one, but a very solid pass rusher for a team that needs help. Yeah, if he really is the raw type of player that you guys have mentioned, then it does leave like a little bit of curiosity of why they went after Trayvon Walker. Uh, like you mentioned, Aiden Hutchinson, much more of a step in day one. He's probably able to produce right away. So uh, it's kind of interesting there. I don't know how close Jacksonville is. So maybe they're willing to kind of take it one step at a time and rather develop a maybe higher potential player with Walker rather than grabbing Hutchinson, who maybe they believe their ceiling is a little bit lower. The notable uh, BC ding, uh, of course. Oh, two. Uh, that's great. He's going to blow him up. But yeah, I. you know what? I'll leave it to the dings. Go ahead. It's done. My point was kind of over anyway, so. <laughs> but, yeah, just to put the uh, the cap on the bottle, um, this is definitely somebody that's going to need a lot of development. He's a raw talent kid. Um, but, yes, thank you for the demonstration, Ben. 
Um, but if you just look at it as a whole, if they're able to invest the right time and money into Walker, um, and he pans out, as Mike said, this could be genius. Um, somebody who can step and be that hybrid guy, just like Micah Parsons, um, pair up with Josh Allen on the line, and then you get a couple more pieces inside at the interior. Your defensive front's already fixed in a matter of two years. Um, will this go the way they planned it? I don't know. Like we mentioned, this is certainly a big uncertainty, um, but it's something that Jacksonville wanted to do, and it's a development process. Um, so we'll see where things go. Uh, moving forward here, we already talked about him a lot with this first pick, um, and that's Aiden Hutchinson going number two to the Lions. Once again, Detroit gets so lucky, and the pick that they want just falls right into their laps. Last year, Penny Sewell fell to them at seven. They took him, and they knew it was the pick immediately. They turned in the card. Detroit literally took zero hesitation and turned in the card at number two here for Hutchinson. Um, and the hometown kid from Michigan uh, gets to go play for his Lions. I think this is a fantastic fit, and it fills a great need here for Detroit. He's going to step in day one, and he's going to be the star here pretty much for Dan Campbell's defense, um, something that he's wanted for a while here in Detroit. Um, what are your guys' thoughts here uh, solo on Aiden Hutchinson? Yeah, I love the narrative of the hometown kid being able to go back to Detroit, and it fits in with kind of the the uh, ideas that they've been trying to do over the past couple of years, grabbing some younger players. Uh, they have – Orwarie and then Jeff Okuda from last year's draft uh, still in the cornerback room. They really needed a person on the defensive edge and Hutchinson fits right into that. Uh, they also went after Jameson Williams as well uh, later on in the draft, which was a trade up, but those two players seem to really be able to have high value for them. Uh, Williams is returning from an injury, but Hutchinson, uh, like you mentioned, uh, he's very much, ready for the NFL right now. He seems like he's going to be an impactful player uh, right away. And hopefully along with guys like Panay Sewell and Okuda and guys of that nature, they're really able to step up in this next couple of years to kind of prove their uh, draft value. Yeah. I love this pick right when Trayvon Walker went number one, that's an easy decision to get your guy in Aiden Hutchinson, keeping him in state. They also selected like, uh, ben mentioned Jameson Williams later in the first, which was interesting, but I like it. They need receiver help. Um, don't hate that pick. And they also took later in the draft, I believe round three, my memory serves me right, um, Josh Pascal, the edge rusher from Kentucky, who a lot of people had as a sleeper. So I think Hutch and Pascal, if he turns out, could be a little uh, pass rush duo. They also took Aleem McDonald. Aleem McNeil last year, uh, who is their starting DT currently. So they have a could have a solid young defensive line for them this upcoming season. Definitely a long, long way before Detroit enters contention, right? But these are these are good pickups for them here. Um, I I really love Jamison Williams too, and I think he once he does come back, he's ahead of schedule on everything in his. Uh, torn ACL recovery, which is good news, but I would just rather in, you know, slowly bring him back in instead of just throwing him in right when he's available. So uh, Detroit, Detroit's building a little something here. Obviously, like I said, no contention yet, but they have some pieces to build on. 
hundred percent. Um, this is definitely, I think the start of major development in Detroit. Um, the next thing obviously is whether or not Jared Goff is the man, uh, they want to ride with long-term. Uh, so this is a big decision year for coach Campbell and the lions moving forward. Now he isn't just to answer that. I know it's kind of rhetorical, but I'm going to answer it. He isn't um, the future, but I do really love the fact that they didn't take a quarterback in the draft to give him some, basically telling him you have the keys to the offense again. And they built him up offensively, giving him Jamison Williams, um, DJ Chark. They picked up in free agency and another year of Amon Ra. So I really like that they gave him just some, you know, they just told him, look, you're not going to have any competition this year. See what you can do. So I like uh, the fact that they gave, they're basically giving Jared Goff another year to prove himself in this system. And I thought he did a decent job with what he had last year. Last year. Yeah, he did uh, with the keys that he had uh, certainly uh, made uh, with what he had uh, moving forward now to the New York Jets. This is certainly uh, someone we're going to get into uh, later on as a major winner um, of this NFL draft. Let's just go through their first round alone. Three picks within the first round. They made multiple picks in the second as well. Uh, but first with the number four overall pick, they took Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Then they followed up at 10 with Garrett Wilson, so, uh, someone who we didn't really expect the Jets taking um, at number 10. And then later on, they traded back into the first round take Jermaine Johnson while he was still on the board and sliding. Wow. This first round alone for the Jets, major, major, major hit. They get the absolute need at corner. They get the absolute need at the edge, and they fill the number one wide receiver need for Zach Wilson. He'll now be pairing with Jamison Crowder, I believe, and Braxton Berrios. Is Crowder – I'm not sure if Crowder moves. He's on Buffalo. Okay. So Thank you for the – Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Braxton Berrios. Thank you. I forgot about Elijah Moore as well. Um, but now this wide receiver room is looking a lot better. Um, and Young, we'll put it at that point, um, for the New York Jets. Um, what are what are our thoughts here um, for the Jets and how this first round panned out? Oh, don't you worry, BC. Well, we were the Carolina Panther uh, bandwagoners last year. Mike and I have soon now jumped to uh, the New York Jets bandwagon right here. Uh, we are all in. Uh, just talking about the draft picks that they made. Uh, we know you guys love Sauce and his, uh, I think his story about like how much um, like hot sauce that he uses. It was like three packs for like any type of meal. It was crazy. Um, but he's a very good player as well. And one of the top corners in the draft as well. Garrett Wilson was probably the uh, safest upside of any of the wide receivers coming out of the class. And then, like you mentioned, Jermaine Johnson was dropping a little bit and they traded up and were willing to go after just at, adding to their secondary a little bit more with Jermaine Johnson. This team is very interesting. I think that they have uh, some really solid potential. Uh, I do like Robert Sala still as their head coach. And I think that they're, Offense, at the very least, it's very interesting. They grab Brees Hall later in the second round to add to their running back room with Michael Carter. They have Elijah Moore, now Garrett Wilson to pair with Corey Davis. Uh, they've got some youngish tight ends. Maybe one of them can hit. And then uh, Braxton Berrios was kind of used in the 
uh, Debo Samuel type role last year. It was between running back and wide receiver. So that offense seems to be very interesting in the defense. They're making improvements in the secondary at the very least. They've already got some solid peaches, pieces on the defensive line. This is a very interesting team in a division that Buffalo's there and Buffalo is one of the top comp- contenders in the NFL. But with New England and Miami kind of being in a weird spot where Miami's made very similar moves to their offense, they've still got probably some space to clear to get to that second point. And the New England has been just kind of disappointing over the, the previous three or four months. So I think the Jets have a really solid um, chance of really jumping this year in their draft uh, in the first round is only a part of that. I am I am loving the Jets this year. If you were to ask me today, what's today? May 6th, 2022. I don't think the Jets finished last in their division um, this season. If, right, all depends on how Zach Wilson can progress, but with the weapons that he was given this offseason, we all really like Zach Wilson um, and think he can be something. But just to even talk about even further, aside from the draft, they trade or they uh, brought in Lakin Tomlinson from the 49ers to basically bolster their offensive line. They have a good line. Uh, Michael Carter will be that running back number two. You already mentioned the receivers they have defensively. You have Quinn Williams, another year of him. They signed John Franklin Myers, another DT. Carl Lawson, who did not play at all last year, who I was a huge, huge fan of coming over from Cincinnati. Uh, the linebacker room. I would like to see an upgrade because right now I believe it's uh, Hobson, Geraldine, CJ Mosley, and Quincy Williams. Not terrible, but you could definitely use some upgrading, especially uh, with CJ Mosley getting a bit older. And secondary-wise, you have Sauce, you have Bryce Hall. Then they brought uh, Jordan Whitehead over from the Bucks. Um, who's their other safety? I don't know. Um, and then Ashton Davis, you also have. Why am I blanking? I feel like I shouldn't. But, yeah, the Jets, I don't know. I, I'm really loving the Jets this year. Um, oh, LaMarcus Joyner. The Jets, obviously, they're in the strong AFC conference, right? I don't think they can uh, make the playoffs this year, but I definitely do think they'll definitely show the league that they are the new-look Jets. And I don't like the... Argument of, oh, they're the Jets. They'll figure out how to mess it up. That's a that's a lazy take. They have a whole new front office. They have a new coaching staff. They haven't had a team like this on paper in I don't know how long, but I think the Jets, the Jets are definitely building something special. Um, not only the first round, then you have Brees Hall, like you mentioned, and then Jeremy Ruckert, who could be their tight end of the future. So they're 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 my team this year. I will claim that right now. Put the flag in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm back. I had. Uh, I almost forgot. I unmuted myself. Uh, technology. Um, but at the end of the day, um, like we mentioned, loving this Jets draft. Um, certainly a lot to look forward to in the future. Um, and now let's move on to the other New York team. Um, that's just across the river. Um, and that's the New York Giants. Um, had two first round selections. Um, both of them, in my opinion, were hits. Um, they first went around and took Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the edge out of Oregon. Um, and then head coach Brian Dable got his offensive man, um, 
few picks later in Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama. I was praying that Evan Neal fell to the Giants here, and they did get him. He fell into their laps. Uh, pick number nine, I believe it was. Um, seven. Seven. Thank you. That was the other option. Um, but with that, the Giants take their edge rusher and their tackle to help pair um, with Andrew Thomas. Um, what are our thoughts here on how the Giants panned out in the top ten here? Beautiful. You can't get any better picks than they got right there. They are help um, defensively with Kayvon Thibodeau, who was last year at this time the number one player coming into the draft. Uh, he fell due to kind of, oh my God, fell due to kind of um, slow production in his junior season. I believe he was in, in Oregon. Um, and then you got Evan Neal, who was the has the highest ceiling as a offensive tackle in this class. Um, I love it. I love it. There are other picks. You know, I thought the Wandale Robinson pick in, I believe it was a second rounder, was a reach. I'm not a huge fan of Wandale Robinson. But first round alone, you, you can't make any better picks than they did in with picks five and seven in that situation that they had. Yeah, totally agree. Um, in the interview that Thibodeau had after the uh, fifth overall pick, um, he basically told the reporters that this was destiny, um, and he knew that he was going to end up at the Giants no matter what happened um, in the draft. And so he gets his wish, I guess, here at five, um, and he's pretty much going to be, along with Leonard Williams, the highlight of this defense um, and on the pass rush. Uh as he makes a very big face at me. Um, care, to, care to explain the face? Man, just forgot about Aziz like that. I love Aziz, but Thibodeau is going to run this defense. Right, but Aziz is definitely a great defensive piece, though. No, he is, for sure. He is, for sure. But I'm just saying, I don't know. As far as like the major pieces um, and the stars that are going to forefront this, um, I think I'd rather have Thibodeau, Leonard Williams. Um, for, I don't know. We'll leave that conversation aside. Uh, rabbit hole. Um, ben, any thoughts? No. All right. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, moving on uh, from the Giants. Um Houston Texans, right? We take a look at this draft. They had one pick inside the top 10 and then one pick just outside. Um, they first went around and took Derek Stingley um, with the fourth overall pick, uh, the cornerback out of LSU. Then they wrapped around and took Kenyon Green, the guard out of Texas A&M. Um, some people thought this was a reach here um, with this second pick, um, but the way the draft fell, this actually looked like a decent selection here. Um, for Houston, they get their interior lineman uh, to help protect Davis Mills, um, and they get a major piece for Lovey Smith in the secondary room. Um, so what are our thoughts here for Houston um, and the Texans' two picks here? Texans were one of my draft winners. Their first six picks, I think, are all starters in their first season as a rookie. Um, their two pick, I had a feeling Derek Singley was going to go ahead of Sauce just due to his his freshman year alone. Uh, Derek Singley freshman in 2019 was my god insane in college. The best cornerback 
in um in college football as a rookie. And then Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. I like the pick. I thought it was kind of not a reach, but I was just kind of surprised to see him go at 15. I definitely like the pick, though. They, they definitely need offensive line help. It lets Titus Howard kind of go back to that right tackle spot and gives them a guy um, inside at the guard spot who will be a solid piece on the O-line. Talking about some of their other picks, um, Jalen Petrie um, in the second, um, John Mechie also in the second, then Christian Harris and my guy Damian Pierce. I love that kid. Um, I think all all six of those guys will be starters in their season and will be um, big contributing pieces on both sides of the ball for them. Yeah, I definitely am a big fan of that Petrie pick. Petrie was almost someone that could have fallen – um, at the end of the first round, um, but these these picks were just so wacky um, and out of the ordinary. They ended up sliding back to the second round, um, and I honestly thought the Texans got a massive steal there um, on day two. Um, and as you mentioned, big winners for myself as well in the first round. Um, and I definitely think you know, with new uh, coaching staff and trying to develop Davis Mills more, I think these were the right steps uh, to do so in that direction. So moving forward here, um, we'll head on a couple more teams and then touch on our winners and losers. Um, the Ravens. This might be my favorite one of the entire draft. They start out by trading back. Um, they take Kyle Hamilton um, with their first pick. And then with their second selection, Eric Tacosta, their general manager, steps up and takes Tyler Lindebaum. Uh, the center of Iowa with the second selection on day two, they end up wrapping around and taking David Ojabo, who was supposed to be a first round pick um, fell to the second round and they just kept hitting from there. Uh, the Ravens in my books had an a plus draft, um, but they essentially had three first round picks um, taken between day one and day two and potentially another top 15 pick in Ojabo. Um, if he ends up being the same talent that he was when he's healthy um, after his red shirt year um, in 2022. Um, so obviously uh, we both, all three of us have our thoughts on how the Ravens did. I'll throw it to Mike first, considering he's been raving about it um, all week long. How are our thoughts on how the flock did um, in the draft? They won the draft. They far and away, not far and away, but they won this draft taking Kyle Hamilton um, and then Tyler Linderbaum, like you mentioned, right? Tyler Linderbaum, the best interior O-lineman coming out since Quentin Nelson. Um, they needed a center. They didn't have a true center on the roster. Patrick McCarry was their listed center before the draft. Now they get Tyler Linderbaum. Kyle Hamilton was, um, he was talked about going as high as number two to Detroit. So him being available at 14, you got to take him. David Ajabo fell um, because of his torn ACL or Achilles, I keep Achilles. which one it was um, at his pro day, so he won't be. Um, there's real no real timetable yet on his return, but I mean, a player like him, you have to take your time with him, um, especially coming into a team like this. Travis Jones, yep. um, also I believe he was also in the third. Um, DT for them. 
right? They need help on the D-line. Daniel Falele, 6'8", 380, offensive tackle. Any offensive line help, um, Baltimore, I like taking. Jalen Armour Davis, our corner. I love um, that pick. I think he can be a um, a nice piece. He'll start off kind of rotational behind Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. I think he can work his way up. Um, and then I think two picks going under the radar are um, Car- Charlie Collar and Isaiah Likely, the two tight ends that they picked. Um, Baltimore and Lamar run the uh, three tight end set or have the um, tight ends. We know Lamar's MVP season. They had the three tight ends. They had uh, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, and David Boyle or Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle, yep. Um, and now they have uh, Mark Andrews, uh, Charlie Collar, and Isaiah Likely. Likely is kind of a bigger receiver. Um, and then this just gives Rashad Bateman the keys because their receiver room is um, Rashad Bateman and kick returners. So um, I love this draft for the Ravens. I said before the draft that they were my uh, division winners for the AFC North, and this just even puts a nail in the coffin for that um, opinion for me at least. Yeah, I agree. I think that like the way that we've seen Baltimore over the past couple of years is their management has done a phenomenal job at working through the draft and making smart trades. They've acquired those big veterans back in 2019, 2020 when Lamar was finally coming up into his own. And they've really done a great job uh, with guys like uh, Tyus Bowser and J.K. Dobbins and just some of these players that they've been able to draft even outside of the first round and like you mentioned, Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton were kind of drafted at values, more so Kyle Hamilton, just because he was valued as like a really top player. I think he was like number three or number four in our initial mock draft um, that we did last week. So it just shows that uh, they're grabbing players that they think are value at their position. And I think it's very interesting to see how they develop in the system because Baltimore is a team where I think Across all three of us, we think that they're going to take that next jump and return back to the top-level team that they were uh, just yeah. not even last year but two years ago. Yeah, we, we talk about the amount of talent that was left for them on the board. Um, so Hamilton, obviously, it's like at 14. He's now joining a safety room that already includes Marcus Williams, who they stole from New Orleans. And then you have Linderbaum, who's already joining a – well-seasoned veteran um, offensive line who also just lost Villanueva, and they're going to look to replace as well. Um, but the amount of talent uh, that DaCosta has been able to get out of the draft and, as Ben mentioned, um, really work with and develop and use almost looking like first-round talent in their first years in the league, um, it's exceptional. Um, and that's something that Baltimore has really done well over the years, and they, they strike again here um, with all the talent that they have um, in the draft. Um, so that wraps up our Ravens talk. Um, moving along here to confusing one. Uh, first round pick will pretty much explain the entire draft for this team. Uh, the New England Patriots. Um, their first pick, they trade back. The pick that they end up taking, they take Cole Strange. Uh, the interior lineman out of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, Cole Strange, uh, the last name says it all. 
Uh, the New England Patriots, not sure. Oh, my God. That's yeah. a little brutal. I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to be brutal on the Patriots here. I just – I never understand the process behind their draft uh, selections. Obviously, we know Bill Belichick loves um, his offensive linemen. He's really prided himself on really developing those blockades to protect his quarterbacks, whether it was Tom Brady um, or Mac Jones in this case. Um they just lost Shaq Mason um, to the Texans in a trade. Still kind of, as Mike just did, eye-rolling there, um, doing that. So they're kind of looking for Strange to be that new fill-in um, for Shaq Mason. And then with their day two pick, they took Tyquan Thornton um, out of Baylor. Uh, this was certainly a very weird pick, um, assuming that Tyquan Thornton was about to be a day three selection um, in the draft. He obviously displayed a lot of speed and agility in the combine, really turned um, a lot of heads towards him. But the Patriots take him here. And in my personal opinion, it was a big reach. Um, but at the end of the day, the Patriots saw what they saw. They also took um, a running back later on in the draft. They took two. Two. It, it, we'll put it there. Uh, Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky uh, to be the backup for uh, Mac Jones. This was certainly an interesting draft. Guys, Let's let's talk through this one. What were the Patriots thinking here? I'll tell you what the Patriots were thinking. The Patriots were thinking, well, um, we're not making the playoffs, and that's essentially what's going to happen. So. Well, that's a little mean. I think the more of the process is we've been really bad at this for a few years, so we're just going to try and get some interesting picks in there and see if one of them pays off. Um, don't know if any of those are going to pay off. But, um, <laughs> It's a situation where, like, they've been able to do this uh, and really find, like, players that are in weird situations, not only in the draft, but just in free agency and trades and are able to really turn them around and make them uh, kind of Patriot, like, following the Patriot way and things of that nature. But I think we're seeing, like, finally the end of that. And I don't know if... Uh, we can obviously reflect on this draft in a couple of years or anything, but I don't think there's been any like phenomenal picks made by New England uh, in the previous few years. There are some examples that are probably still out, um, whether they're going to be or good or not. Mac Jones is probably the biggest one, um, but I think we've already kind of seen what Mac uh, is, and I think we understand what his ceiling is. So I, I don't know how to react to this. I think it's um, – just starting a new era. I think that's something that needs to be understood and should have already been understood with Mac Jones coming under center last year. But uh, the way that Patriots fans saw it is, Oh, they were competing the same way. And uh, Mac was just being the younger Brady. No, they might play the same way on the field and they might try to act the same way, but they are a different team. They are not that same Tom Brady led team. So just try and understand and move on. The draft picks are interesting. There's obviously something to be seen with them making moves like that. Um, and again, we'll have to see in a couple of years if uh, we're just making fun of them and we're completely off and that they're seeing something we're not or we're seeing exactly what everyone else is seeing. Yeah. Um, a lot of uncertainty here, um, as we allude to. Um, and we'll touch upon the last major uh, team before we just wrap into some little recaps of each team. Um, that's the Kansas city chiefs um, in this draft. I also had 
the Chiefs as a major A-grade um, team coming out of the NFL draft. They had two first-round picks in Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis um, with their final picks, and they end up taking Sky Moore um, in day two out of Western Michigan. In my personal thoughts, I think the Chiefs knocked this one out of the park as well. Um, not to the extent that Baltimore did, um, but they're able to get some major needs that were sort of uh, addressed uh, by Mel Kuyper and several other analysts um, prior to the draft. Obviously, McDuffie um, leading the cornerback room now um, with Legereus Sneed. Then you have George Karloftis coming in, trying to be that major pass rusher uh, that Coach Andy Reid's looking for in the defense with Chris Jones now transitioning back to interior. Um, then you have Sky Moore coming in um, as a potential wide receiver threat to join Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, for Patrick Mahomes. Definitely uh, strange to say that wide receiver room without Tyree Kill still. Um, but again, just to reiterate, uh, a great draft by the Chiefs, um, and I have them as an A. What are you guys' thoughts? A, a great draft, and you didn't even mention Leo Chanel yep. um, on day three, which I I love that linebacker room. I love him. Leo Chanel, um, who will be the eventual starter if he won't already in his rookie year. Um, I'll be curious to see that. Leo Chanel, Willie Gay, and Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton was a really, really good um, linebacker as a rookie last year, and I even um, had him on my short list when we did our top ten linebackers. Really loved his rookie season. Um, I mean, drafting three players who have, who will be defensive starters on paper, their defense looks a lot, a lot better. Um, we know that they let the Honey Badger walk. They brought in Justin Reed, who won't be able to fill Tyron Matthews' shoes, but he is, is still a, um, He's a really solid safety. Uh, Juan Thornhill coming back after Sorensen went to the Saints. But I love this draft for the Chiefs. They hit on all the picks that um, they could have done. Sky Moore, I think he's going to be a really, really good player uh, with Mahomes and probably Mahomes' favorite target eventually. I had the Chargers as my winners for the AFC West. After this draft, I don't know. I don't. But they're they're definitely um, after their kind of putrid second half of the AFC Championship game performance. Uh, they're coming back and they're they're showing the league that even after trading Tyreek Hill, they're still they're still one of the top dogs in the league. So I really like this draft for them. Ben, no, I'm just laughing because I think Mike always has this response of like. I don't know when he's put to a choice of like, you know, I like both sides. You're, you're the guy that's like, uh, you're offered like two types of ice cream. I'm like, I'll take both. Or like, uh, I don't know. Uh, like, Look, I like to, I like to weigh out both options. I like to well, weigh out some, both options. Sometimes you need to make the hard decision, you know? Well, with what? I don't know. What did I say? Have to be with this, but um I like the Chiefs draft. I think that adding a wide receiver in Sky Moore is something that needed to be done. I don't think a receiver core of MBS and Juju is going to be enough. Even with Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey is getting up there in age. He's 32, 33 years old coming up. Sky Moore adds some youth to that uh, receiver room. 
I didn't even mention Mequel Hardman, who was supposed to be like taking over the Tyreek Hill role. I don't know how valuable that is, but uh, the two defensive pieces that they added as well, that just makes me uh, really throw them into that top three with the Broncos and the Chargers. Honestly, there was a point uh, maybe last month where I thought that both of those teams were like a tier above the Chiefs, and I wasn't really considering them in that top three in the division. Now I think I can obviously do that, and not even mentioning the Raiders there, probably not a correct thing to do, but all four of those teams are going to be very nasty in uh, this upcoming season. For sure, for sure. Can we talk about another one of my winners? Yes, you can. The Seattle Seahawks. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, to me, were winners. I know the NFL page, they posted a tweet grading all the drafts, and they gave them a C plus. I I thought they had a really, really good draft. Um, Charles Cross in the first, who Brett had as a... Um, Brett didn't like that draft pick. He had them as a loser mm-hmm. in the first round. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say loser. I would say I was confused at first. I wouldn't call it a loss at this point, considering the direction that they took. But my initial thoughts with where they went, confused. Charles Cross in the first. I thought that was a great selection. I didn't want them taking a quarterback in the first. Um, I wanted them to do more of a slow rebuild. They then took um, Boye Mafe with their first pick in the second, who was some had him sneaking into the first round. So you get some uh, pass rushing help. And then Kenneth Walker. This pick took me a little bit to um, really find the – I don't know. I, I just wasn't a huge fan of it. Looking at it now, I'm fine with it. Kenneth Walker is a bruiser running back. He was one of my favorites uh, coming into the draft because I like I like those bruises. I like the bruises. Um, Chris Carson is on his last year of his deal. Rashad Penny, who Brett is a huge fan of, he is also on the last year of his deal, I believe. Um, he just signed a new deal. I believe it was for one year. So, right. And either way, he's not a he's not a number one running back. Um, well, he did have some very good games at the end of right. the season. But. Um, they took Abraham Lucas in the third, who is another uh, tackle for them. They built up that offensive line after Russell Wilson left. Um, and then Kobe Bryant and Tariq Willen later on. Bo Melton in the seventh, who some had um, in the fifth. So I think all around they just took um, they just took their guys, and I like their picks. They're going to be rolling with um, Geno Smith at quarterback. So we'll see how that turns out for them or Drew Locke. Um, but probably Gina reports right now um, from minicamp very early on, right? I'm um, still months out that Geno Smith is impressing more than Drew Locke is. Not a complete shock. Not at all. Because um, Drew Locke, um, even though he has started uh, quite a handful of games, he hasn't he hasn't been super effective um, in the league. And I know that's a tough thing for Brett too. Um, horrible Ben's a bit more harsh with it than I am Um, oh another team I wanted to mention um, the Minnesota Vikings now Minnesota to me has one of the most complete rosters in the league Um, with their first pick in the draft they traded back to pick 31 or 2 32 I believe it was the last pick in the first round Um, Lewis Seen 
safety out of Georgia, who I was kind of surprised to see sneak into round one. I don't hate it, though. Him and Harrison Smith, both hot haters. I like that pick. Then second round, they took a falling Andrew Booth. As I say, Drew Locke is hot garbage. Um, I hear no lies uh, from that side. Drew Locke is hot garbage. Lewis seen uh, the safety. And then in the second round, they took a falling Andrew Booth, who I love. The Minnesota Vikings. Mo- uh, here, let me read my tweet for you, right? Because I got on Twitter after the Andrew Booth pick, and I was I was in love. Did you um, listen to the like three-minute speech that the guy gave before Andrew oh, Booth? Oh, yeah. I, I tweeted about it. Um I said I I got it right here. I said the Vikings have one of the most complete rosters in my opinion. Their biggest weakness secondary. They went out and attacked that need around one of the scene and now Booth in the second. Um, Minnesota, I think will give uh, the Green Bay Packers trouble when it comes to the top. They're of, already giving them trouble when it comes to the top of the NFC North, just with their uh, very complete roster. Um, the Packers, obviously, you can never doubt Aaron Rodgers, but the loss of Devontae Adams is. Um, too big not to mention. Plus, they brought a lot of their defensive guys back from last year um, and even added to it. So it'll definitely be interesting. Minnesota also, um, I was a fan of their uh, first two rounds, how they went and attacked a big position of need for them. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Um, it was Ed Marinaro, uh, their former first uh, round pick. Um, that made the selection of Andrew Booth, uh, the life's biography that Ben was talking about. Um, but again, a really solid draft. Um, Lewis Seen, um, I actually had Detroit taking at 32 at one point. Um, he still went there, um, but to Minnesota after uh, Detroit traded up to take Jamison Williams um, with Minnesota's original selection. Um, but again, a really solid draft for the Vikings. And as Mike mentioned, one of the most complete rosters in the league. They've really, they've so quietly built up their offensive line, their wide receiver room, uh, the linebacking core and defensive front is looking solid. Um, this to me just spells wild card, if not maybe even division winner, um, depending on where the Packers fall um, in yep. the NFC North. I think there's a solid chance right now that the Vikings do win the NFC North um, with this roster and new head coach Kevin O'Connell. Um, I love this scenario here, um, and I would not um, put it out of the picture at all for Minnesota uh, to win the North. Yeah, I agree. They I think probably they would probably be my betting favorite. Minnesota is a playoff team uh, with the roster they have, um, but yeah, those are. I'm pretty sure those are most of the teams that I wanted to mention. If you guys have any others, I have a couple uh, small hitters. Uh, we'll start with Green Bay. Um, they took two first-round picks, uh, Quay Walker um, and then Devontae Wyatt. Um, the Quay Walker pick, when I first saw it, not a huge fan. Um, but like Kenneth Walker, as Mike mentioned, I'm fine with it at this point. Um, it feels a need the Green Bay Packers needed. Um, and then Devontae Wyatt, the interior man. Um, I like this pick a lot uh, for Green Bay. I do too. Um, especially considering the lack of depth they have at the position. Hmm. Um I think at one point I had them taking Travis Jones, um, but they fill it instead with Devontae Wyatt. Um, so I loved that. Um, and then New Orleans Saints, they took Olave with their first round pick. Um, I was a big fan of this pick. 
Um, I had a lot of my final mock drafts with Olave going here to New Orleans. Um, and then just to briefly mention the Denver Broncos didn't start till the second round. Um, they took Nick Benito, um, the linebacker out of Oklahoma, and then followed up with Greg Dolchich, uh, the tight end out of UCLA. Uh, so those were all just a little um, hitters that eventually came across, but I ended up liking his winners here in this draft. New Orleans, low-key losers of the first round. Of the first round, low-key, I think there was a lot more talent that they could have taken. I, li- uh, I like the Chris Olave pick. I do. I mocked him there to New Orleans. I love that fit. I don't love trading up um, to target him. They traded up a lot for him. Uh, also, Trevor Penning, who has a lot, a lot of development to do. Uh, we'll see how they turn out. If they turn out again, same with every team. If these players turn out, they look like geniuses. But, um, I mean, is what it is. Not not losers, but just wasn't wasn't a big fan of how they executed and one about the first round um denver i love the nick bonito pick gives denver some help uh alongside randy gregory which you guys know i'm a big fan of him um yeah i think uh the last thing we can talk about before we wrap up uh today's episode only one quarterback was taken in the first round of this year's draft complete opposite of the 2021 draft uh, where I believe there were five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Um, Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback taken in round one uh, to the hometown Steelers. Um, and this was really surprising considering a lot of people had two, maybe even three quarterbacks going in the first round. A lot of people had Willis um, falling as high as maybe even top top 10. Um, but Pickett goes to number 20 at Pittsburgh. Um, and what does this say? Um, about this NFL draft and just how wonky it was um, with how the talent fell. Says that the quarterback class wasn't that good. And also that quarterbacks weren't really a necessity this year. Like you just mentioned it, five or six quarterbacks got taken in the first round last year with the talented class that was uh, capped off by Trevor Lawrence and bottomed out by Mac Jones, who's still an NFL starter at this point. I think aside from Malik Willis, there wasn't anyone that we were really projecting high. And then Malik obviously gets switched with Kenny Pickett in this situation. Has to be some sort of reason that he fell so far uh, to fall down to the third round to where Tennessee was able to get him. As they passed on him on multiple occasions. And teams like Carolina, Seattle that were seemingly potential locations to Detroit in there as well, they didn't really think about it. And they were able to like wait until the second round to even take an opportunity or even the late in the first and they didn't want it. So it just shows that the necessity in the NFL is a little bit different at this point. I think a lot of veteran quarterbacks are being dealt. We saw that this past a uh, couple off seasons. And then we saw it with the draft last year, um, how many quarterbacks were taken. I, I just don't think it's a needed commodity for a lot of teams right now. And even with Pittsburgh, they had a quote unquote starter with Mitch Trubisky, uh, who's probably still going to be in competition for starting snaps. So it's not even a guarantee that Pickett starts. So I think a lot of teams are in situations where it's just not needed right now. And that's that's not a bad thing. We'll get to next year's draft uh, that's headed up by a really solid quarterback class, headed up by Bryce Young. Probably going to be a lot of teams in the, in the market for getting Young and a bunch of other uh, quarterbacks in the first round. So I don't think it's a big situation to be aware of just – 
an off year, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of teams, like we saw Philadelphia trading um, to get extra picks in the first round next year because they like yep. uh, the picks more. And I think that's just what it comes down to, the lack of quarterback talent um, in this year's draft. But um, next week will be the last episode of our season. We have um, our safety rankings finally after weeks of uh, not doing the rankings, but we will um, finish it up with our safeties. We also have a game that I actually just wrapped up um, making last night. I'm really excited for it. Do you want to give a hint? Yeah, I'll tell what it is. Um, So we are going to tell it if you want to just. No, like it's fun. It's fun. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to be reading uh, quotes. I found uh, quotes from, I forget who it was. I'll, I'll give credit next week when we actually do it. But I found NFL quotes from this whole season, this past um, season, dating back from week one all the way to the Super Bowl of different uh, player and some coach quotes um, that were kind of notable throughout the season. I'm going to read the quotes to the guys, give them some context if needed, uh, why the quote was said. And they basically go back and forth and I have to guess which player said the quote. Um, I think that'll be something really fun. I ha- I have a 22 written. So depending, we might have to um, take some on, or we can leave them in. Um, Cause I think it'd be a nice cap off. I agree. Add them all. All right. So we'll uh, add some more. Up. Why don't you 22 of them? Um, some of them are like easy. You know who this guy is, but some of them that make you think, but you got clues in there. Um, I want to give hints and stuff. Uh, We'll figure it out. We'll talk about it next week. Um, I wonder who said, I'd rather uh, die out on the field than take the vaccine or something like that. Well, that was. (laughs) All right. Uh, So with that, um, I think we're going to wrap up today's episode um, of the three and out podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, You can check out the recap of today's episode um, as well as all other uh, episodes on streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you get them. Um, Episode 34 in the season finale uh, next week. Be sure to stay tuned um, with our preview. Um, For now, we sign off. Brett Shops with Ben Pope and Mike Cicchetti. Take care. Our share.